Hey guys, it's TJ. I know you're enjoying the wonderful content the Rogue Intel Podcast Network provides you. We really couldn't do this without the support of you, our wonderful listeners. One of the best ways you can say thank you also happens to be one of the easiest ways. Just go to rogueintel.com slash Amazon and do your Amazon shopping as you normally would. It won't cost you anything and you'll be supporting your favorite podcast network. That's R-O-G-U-E-I-N-T-E-L dot com slash Amazon. Hi, this is Renee. And this is Kim. And this is Brown Trip. Bonjour. Okay. <laughs> okay. How that works. It's a good way to open it up. Uh, smack him in the face with a little French. That's what you do. That's what you do. That's how it is smack sometimes. It. This week, we are prepping for our trip to... Paris, London, and Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. We leave in a few weeks, and we are working hard to get ourselves organized and prepped for this adventure. This week, we're just going to tell you a little bit about how we're getting ourselves organized and prepped, and then maybe you can use this information to help plan your own trip to Europe and the UK. So first things first, where are we going? Like, how do you decide, I want to go to London, I want to go to Paris, I want to go to Brussels, I want to go to Rome, I want to go to Madrid, I want to go to Barcelona, I want to go to everywhere. Luxembourg, I want to go, <laughs> just wanna go to all over the world, <laughs> every world, Copenhagen, <laughs> I want to go to Reykjavik, did I say it right? <laughs> oh, you did. It, Thank well, close. you. <laughs> Thank you. But... We have all these places we wanted to go, and we really had to narrow it down to places that, A, fit within our budget, B, were safe, and C, had some type of sightseeing or concerts or festivals. And so one of our driving factors is that it's Renee's birthday, and we are traveling on her birthday. Yay! Yay! birthday happy birthday to you mm-hmm. i'll take it <laughs> i'll take Every, it everybody loves a birthday jam <laughs> everybody how since this is your birthday trip you selected our destination how did you yes. choose from all of those fantastic places to decide which ones were going to actually be the ones that we visit on this trip so basically, um, the trip originally, we was going to go to Amsterdam. And then while we were having a little side get together with some folks from the travel squad, the idea of Paris and London came up. And I decided I was like, yeah, Paris and London would be cool. Um, originally, we was going to meet up with some folks, uh, part of the travel squad in London anyway, because they were going to see Beyonce. So it all kind of worked out just to add on uh, Paris and London as part of the trip, including Amsterdam. So that's pretty much how it came along. And how I decided what I'm going to do. I'm a B-Day in Europe. Now we've checked off where are we going. So our next yep. step in our planning process is usually to start researching the places that we want to go. And that includes everything from what's the weather going to be like? 
What are the attractions that we want to see? Do we want to take a tour, like a pay for a guided tour, or do we want to do this as like an independent travel? As far as our research goes, obviously there are many, 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 many resources on the internet for this information. So really all you have to do is just block out some time in your day and sit down and start researching it. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about our research. My main thing I think that I kind of researched was uh, weather, like which activities I wanted to do and or what sites I wanted to see. Weather wise, it seems like it seems like London and Amsterdam are going to be in the mid seven mid to upper 70s with some days possibly hitting the 80s. I also know that London can be rainy. And as of late, Paris can be super rainy making sure that we plan for those types of situations. If there's going to be a lot of rain, if there's going to be a lot of high temperatures, making sure that we are packing appropriately is kind of where I I like to focus on my research. And then one of the other things we also researched was whether or not we take a tour through like a premier travel or an intrepid travel, or if we do this on our own. Right. Originally we kind of threw around the idea of using a, a travel company or a travel tour group for this trip because where we're going is actually pretty popular. A lot of people go to London and Paris and as part of the whole travel packages. You'll see that a lot in some of the uh, tour companies as part of their destination packages. So that was one of the things that we did consider whether or not we just wanted to, you know, do a larger group tour option versus doing it on our own. And so we ended up deciding obviously to do it on our own. And I think Although we do like to do tours occasionally, we have been on some really fun tours. For this particular trip, we didn't really want to be under anyone else's schedule. We wanted to do things as we wanted to do them. We didn't really want, we're not really looking to maximize every single day. There will be days on this trip where we will do very little. (laughs) Where we may just go to a cafe and have a few drinks, have a few glasses of wine and some scones or some tea or, you know, maybe do some type of excursion that we hadn't already planned for that learn about while we're there. So we want to make sure we have time for that, which is one of the reasons we decided to go independent instead of doing an official tour as well as sightseeing. You know, we may want to spend less time at one site and more time at another site or all of our time at one site and no other sites and being doing an independent tour, obviously, I mean, doing independent travel obviously gives us the opportunity to do that. So Renee, what are some of the, as far as your research, what are some of the things that you focused on looking into? Um, Pretty much the same outside of a season. Funny thing. I really didn't think much about season considering it was June because in my mind, June is always sunny. But I know in Europe, the weather always is variable. You just never know when you get there. But I did look at tours and also wanted to look at some things that were like off the beaten path. So particularly for Paris, um, I looked at cooking classes and like food tours because I know Paris is Paris. They're known for their there is a culinary place It's known for food and Michelin star restaurants and things like that. So I wanted to find out whether or not there were uh, companies or small tour groups that were doing uh, either food tours or like walking tours that will kind of take you into areas that you normally wouldn't go to in some of the touristy places. So again, not opting to go with a larger group 
does give you that flexibility where you can just kind of sign up independently and go do things on your own and uh, explore the city. So that was some of the things that I was I was looking at as we were planning. I know a lot of your research, too, included budgeting. You did a really good job of coming up with our budget for everything, including our flight, our hotel, our activities. So just starting with flight, very important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Especially for me, who doesn't want a memorable flight. I want a very forgettable flight. I am a little picky about my airline and a little picky about my baggage. Would you say picky, Kim, or are you a bit of an airline snob? Because I'll say airline snob. I say picky. (laughs) I'm not a snob, but it's it's only because I have super long legs and it can get really uncomfortable on a long flight when you have long legs. If the person in front of you, you know, also has long legs and super reclines and you're all cramped up in your seat. So I I get a little picky about, about these things. And I like to not lose my luggage. So I appreciate an airline, a, a flight that's nonstop versus one that has multiple layovers. For this particular trip, we have selected Delta Airlines. One, because they had nonstop flights to our destination. Two, because we both have SkyMile, SkyMiles accounts that and um, SkyMiles perks that allow us to have a checked bag free. I believe it's two bags on an international flight, right? Yep. Yep. Two bags. So that's a perk. And then I know I can afford the extra leg room without breaking my budget, (laughs) which again, like I said, is super important for me. But some of the other airlines we looked at had multiple layovers as well as uh, extra fees for baggage and taxes on top of, on top of fees, on top of fees, on top of fees. So when we actually laid it all out, Delta actually turned out to be the best deal for us because we weren't paying extra for bags and we were getting a direct flight. Yeah. I mean, that's the only downside. Some of the uh, low cost carriers, they were pretty good on cost, but like Kim mentioned, they were just not the best option. If you were going to check a bag or you had a large bag, either way you're going to pay either for a carry on or to check it. It was just going to, it was going to be a fee. Right. And when I saw paying for a carry on, I was really just like, no, yeah, hard. No, (laughs) Mm-mm. No, thanks, sir. Our second uh, trip for, I mean, I'm sorry, our second tip for flights. So originally our itinerary was going to start, I think in London. I can't remember, but we, we originally our itinerary, we didn't have really a map for which city to go to first. But once we started looking at flight costs, we realized flying in and out of London was the most expensive. Yeah, compared to flying out of Amsterdam or Paris, which was way, way cheaper. Actually, Amsterdam was pretty pricey, too. I think that's how we ended up on Paris, because Paris was the the lower out of the two options. So for our trip, we are going to fly direct from Atlanta to Paris, and then we are going to return Amsterdam to Atlanta. So that ended up being less expensive for us. Yep. So one of the things that we actually still have to do um, is figure out how we are going to travel from Paris to London and from London to Amsterdam. Right. Because in between the two cities, you always have an option. Um, Paris and London, you can either fly if you wanted to or do rail. Um, And then, of course, to get from London to Amsterdam, you will have to fly. You probably could take rail, but I think it's going to take you all the way around, which, again, if you're up for a nice little rail trip from London to Amsterdam, I'm pretty sure that might be interesting uh, scenery wise uh, to do. But 
for the sake of getting there, because we only had a few days, we're more likely going to opt to just fly from from London to Amsterdam. Um, the plus side is in Europe, they have a lot of low cost carriers, even though we just talked about them <laughs> in their baggage fees. <laughs> but to get around between certain cities in Europe, it pretty much just kind of makes sense for you to just hop on one of those flights and then take it over. So more than likely, we're just probably going to eat the cost of whatever the the check fee charge is going to be to take that flight between London and Amsterdam. But I mean, to get there within an hour or so is like worth it versus being on, on a rail for hours. So, yes. And that's another thing to think about when you are planning a trip like this, where, where you will be in multiple countries and you will be using multiple carriers for transportation. One airline's um, restrictions for a bag might, might be different from another so, you know, always try to make sure your bag, I think, I think if you're under 28 inches, you're probably good no matter what, but even for, you know, for checked bags or carry on bags, those, those restrictions may vary between airlines. So whenever you're booking flights, just make sure you check with the airline carrier or the train uh, operator's website to make sure that your bags or, or to know what your bags may cost you or may not cost you, or even if you can take them on those particular modes of transportation right and also be sure to include that in your budget so when i was creating the budget for the trip i included those you know intercompany or inner city transfers like whatever you're going to do metro whether or not you was going to do rail or flights as part of the budget so that you don't lose sight of the cost uh particularly like right now we haven't necessarily planned that part but we know we have the budget for that piece so it was a good idea to know in the back of your head okay i need to consider this because i'm going to be going from this city to the next city or country to the next country and i need to figure out you know what that cost is going to look like and how it's going to affect my budget at the end of the day and so once you've determined how you're getting to your destinations where will you stay we have selected our hotels for our trip and renee do you want to tell them a little bit about the hotels we've selected and their yeah. locations. Yeah. So for hotels, we looked at different options. So it was either a uh, couple of things you can consider booking directly through the hotel website, um, using a third party such as like booking.com or of course, Airbnb is also an option that you can consider. So I pretty much looked at all three of those places. Um, some of the hotel websites, when you directly book them, did not offer a lot of deals. Uh, I did manage to get a pretty good deal booking directly through the Hilton um, for our London trip. But there were other options. I think I went to Airbnb and store like five hotels before I decided that, okay, I'm just going to book this one uh, for for London. And I did the same thing for Paris as well. Um, I used, for the most part, booking.com to book for our, our Paris hotel. Um, luckily, we managed to get a discount. And so I ended up canceling and then booking back directly through the hotel's website. So sometimes you got to play around with it, particularly if you're planning early enough in advance. You can kind of play around and store reservations because you pretty much will have enough time to cancel them if you're doing um, if you're not doing a prepay and then kind of still shop around if you find a better deal and just go ahead and cancel the other reservation. That's pretty much how I did it. And so using those three options was a way for us to kind of determine, you know, where do we want to stay? We're going to stay central to the city or we're going to stay, you know, further and then kind of depend on using uh, the Metro to get back and forth between the hotel and the places we wanted to visit. So again, something to consider um, when you're traveling, particularly to, to Europe, because you just don't know if you're not from that area. uh, Some of the hotels are further. So you do have to allocate, you know, time if there's a particular place 
you want to get to or a tour you want to take um, in determining uh, where that hotel location is, is central to where your activities are going to be. And so where are we staying in Paris? So in Paris, we're staying at the uh, Hotel Corona Opera, which is close to uh, central Paris. So we are near a, a rail line, which is a plus. We don't have to walk a few meters using my Euro talk meters <laughs> to get to, <laughs> to get to uh, the metro, to get around the city. Um, and for what I could tell, it's pretty walkable as well. Uh, so that's where we'll be staying in Paris. And we're staying at a Hilton in London. Yep. We're staying at the Hampton by Hilton Waterloo in London. Um, that location as well is close to the Waterloo Metro Station in London, uh, which puts us a few minutes away from like the Tower of London and some of the other normal sightseeing places you'll go to while you're there uh, visiting central London. So we're pretty much in a good spot for that one. And then in Amsterdam, we're staying at the um, West Cord Fashion Hotel, which actually was a selection from one, one of the folks that we know in our travel squad that's going to be in Amsterdam. So I pretty much booked that one based upon their recommendation. So uh, that one seems to be in a good place also. Amsterdam is pretty cool because it's pretty walkable, bikeable, and there's a metro line. So there's so many means of transportation that I think for Amsterdam will be fine. Even if we were not in the central area of, of the city, we will be good to go no matter where we stayed. And so next activities, because we are visiting three cities that we have not been to before, we're going to have to be really strategic about activities that we definitely want to hit. Now, I think we both kind of feel like there are, you know, some things we can miss for this particular trip. Like we don't have to try to see everything in the world on this particular trip because these are destinations that we will visit again. Um, it's not like, you know, um, Kilimanjaro. You go once. <laughs> Everest. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So we are, we have selected activities in each city that we are interested in doing, but not all of them include like the main tourist attractions. attractions. Right. For Paris, I know Versailles is our number one attraction to hit. Right. And so then... Like Renee said, we're going to look at doing a wine tour or a food tour or something a little more off the beaten path um, so we can experience the culture of Paris as well as um, maybe catch some sights on the uh, while we're doing other things. Yeah, because there's so many different neighborhoods that you can explore. I've just been kind of reading up on different walking tours or just little neighborhoods and side streets and cafes that are pretty interesting there. So I think we'll find... Like once we get there, there there's enough stuff for us to to do outside of your regular touristy, you know, attractions. And so then we will scoot on over to London and have scones and tea. <laughs> Hopefully we will get to visit Stonehenge site as yep. we all know and appreciate my love of old rocks. <laughs> Tall rocks <laughs> tall long rocks I, li I like them i like them tall i like them short <laughs> i just like rocks <laughs> i love ancient ruins <laughs> so we've been researching different 
tours out of London to that site. And one of the tours I looked at had Stonehenge. It had Oxford University as well, which I thought would be kind of cool to visit. I think it's like the oldest English language university. And I was looking at the pictures and it's really pretty. It looks like it would be really cool to go to. But there's another tour that does like the Cliffs of Dover and and Oxford and some other place that looked really cool too. But then I wouldn't get to go to Stonehenge. So I'm really just right. trying to kind of balance like what do I really, really want to do versus what, what would be cool. But I really want to see some English countryside, not just the city. Yeah. That would be good. Cool. Didn't Stephen Hawking go to Oxford? Isn't that his? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Like, I feel okay. like I feel like that should he be could get in. Ray, Ray, right. <laughs> Pretty, yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure he's okay. I feel like they would admit him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he went to the University of Cambridge. Oh. Well, he does research within the University of Cambridge. Oh. So maybe that wasn't his. Uh... I'm sure had he wanted to go there, he could have. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) I'm sure they have a theoretical physicist department that he could. uh... (laughs) Actually, no, he did go to the university. He did go to Oxford. Yeah. University of Oxford. Yeah. And then he went to Cambridge. Oxford in 1962. Yep. So I thought, sweet. So we can walk along the path of Stephen which is just random but okay um that was random i don't know <laughs> just had that thought. okay <laughs> it, happens. it happens so are are we going to read a brief history of time and then go or <laughs> can i just watch no. the movie again and go i think you should, i think you should just watch the movie done <laughs> that was a really good movie i really enjoyed that i actually never got through the whole thing what yeah really i good. never got through it and then <laughs> i borrowed the dvd from a co-worker and like totally lied and told her I watched it. I was like, oh yeah, it was so good. And then I ended up watching it on HBO. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the worst. Yeah. So, yeah. but what I did see, it was, it was interesting. It was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting story. So Amsterdam. Yes. I just want to see the I am Amsterdam sign. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Oh my God. <laughs> The rest of my time, I will okay. find other ways to amuse myself. I mean, there's still the red light district. There's still canal rides. There's a lot of museums. There's an Anne Frank house. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that I am probably not going to want to go to the Anne Frank house. Oh, my God. The Anne Frank house is why you well outside. Is of it? Like the Rem- <laughs> is, I mean, no. is I it? Mean, there's like the Rembrandt Museum, too, which is why you go to Amsterdam also. But. I mean, it's one of the things of why you go to learn a little bit of history about Amsterdam well, and Anne Frank. I read the book and then I saw the movie where the girl, I don't remember what the name of the movie was, but the girl had the oxygen tank and then her make a wish wish was to go to Amsterdam. Oh, the fault, the fault in our stars. The fault in our stars. Yeah. I felt like I was there. So. <laughs> that was it? Yeah. There, that was all the experience you needed that at that point? That was it for me. <laughs> that it. But it's one of those, it's another one of those things that I just feel like I will go to Amsterdam again, where I have more time to appreciate museums and things like that. For this particular trip, since we're only there a couple of days, I really just want to explore Amsterdam. I don't want to spend as much time inside of things, looking at stuff. Although, 
I know I want to go see the old rocks. I know. I know. It's a contradiction, but. Right. <laughs> right. I know. I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. As long as you know. As long I as you know. get it. But. And, you know, I'm a little iffy on the red light district, too, because I feel like that's going to be like a five minute thing because I'm pretty sure it will be if I'm a prostitute and they are sex workers. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me start that over. (laughs) If I am, if I am the girlfriend experience and (laughs) I'm trying to sell my wares, you can't just come take pictures of me and be looking at me for free. That's not how this works. Like, yeah. no. So I just don't feel like there's going to be much to see yeah. there. <laughs> I, was I, don't, I don't need that, a bunch of hookers looking at me crazy. That's what yeah. I don't need. I was reading from a woman's perspective that the red light district, there there will be nothing for you to enjoy. The women normally close the windows. They see women walk by because they're like, we're not here for you. And so there normally isn't a nothing for you to glean from that experience in all, all actuality. So. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. So I guess we're biking along the canal. We are. Yay. Canal bikes. (laughs) That sounds like fun. Um, And we're doing a, um, we're doing a photo shoot in in Amsterdam. Oh, right, 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 right. right. That'll be fun too. Yep. So next again, I I think we mentioned this a little bit before is our next thing to do is to confirm how we are traveling between the cities. One of the, things that you have to keep in mind, especially if you're doing a trip that involves multiple countries is multiple types of currency. So for our trip, only London has a different currency than our other two destinations. It's on the pound, whereas Paris and Amsterdam are on the Euro. So I always struggle with this deciding. So I, I, well, I do, I strongly believe in having cash of the place that you are visiting on you when you get there. But I always struggle with whether or not I should try to get that cash from my bank or if I should just wait until I get to the airport at the destination and get it there. And so I have a resolution for you on that. I do. Are you ready? Hit me. (laughs) So I was researching this as well. And according to Rick Steves, (laughs) because I love Rick Steves. Right. He said to not get any currency. So any foreign currency in the U.S. He was like, don't do it. Don't go to a, a TravelX location. Don't go to your bank. Wait until you get to the airport or the destination which you're landing. So in this case, once you get to Paris and then go to an ATM and get money out of the machine. And that was his suggestion. Basically, he was like, it doesn't make sense for you to travel with it. You're not going to get a good exchange rate in the U.S. And it just makes sense for you to get to the location and get your money once you get there. And so here's where I have to disagree with Mr. Steves. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It depends on where you're going and when you're getting there. If you're going to a city with a smaller airport, you know, the exchange people could be closed or the ATM could be broken. Like there's too many factors that could land you without money at the time when you need it. So what I've been doing in the past is getting like a hundred bucks, like not, uh, not all of my money, but getting like a little bit. So at least if something happens or we, if we end up getting there in the middle of the night, or just there's a situation where I can't get to what I need to get, I'd at least have a little bit of cash on me. And I've I've actually done it both ways. I've also done it where I've gotten to the city, the airport, and actually gotten the money there. So that's what I'm thinking is I'm going to get some euro before I leave. But 
I'm going to wait and get the pounds until I get to London. And then I'll probably get more euro while I'm there and do the, through an ATM. But I don't, I don't want to arrive empty handed just in case there's some kind of emergency. Yeah. And so then I'm also trying to decide if I want to do just use the exchange rate on my credit card or I mean on, on my card or if I want to do a cash passport card. I've done a cash passport card in the past. The last time I, when I went to Italy, I had a cash passport card and that was super mm-hmm. convenient because I wasn't having to put my ATM card into random ATM machines that I didn't really trust. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that. But now that I have, you know, now that we Americans have pin credit cards, that's also an option. Are you, um, you're talking about the chip enable cards. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because they have the pin number um, because before our credit cards, they actually they had pins, but you had to call the credit card company to get it. But now you have the pin also with the chip enable and you use your pin or whatever. But right. I'm still thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still thinking about that. But I do know I'm going to get I'm going to have cash euro on me. Um, I actually think I might have some left from last time. <laughs> yeah, I think I still have some, too. Um, uh, from last time. So I'm going to collect all those and kind of see what I've got. And then I'll probably just get like a hundred bucks or something. So that way I at least have a little something just in case something goes wrong. Yeah. Either that and also consider the foreign transaction fees on your cards. Two things. Foreign transaction fees on your credit cards is best if you do have one. If it has zero transaction fees, that should be the card that you take while you're traversing through Europe. Um, Cause you don't get hit with the extra fees uh, with the exchange Two. Always make sure you call your bank prior to you traveling to let them know what the dates are and where you're going, particularly for your credit card and for your regular bank, so that they're aware of where you're going to be and when you will be there, just so they can keep track of it. Because the last thing you want is to get to London and you can't use your credit or debit card because you didn't tell the bank that you were going to to London during those dates. And they kind of put a freeze or a hold or stopped you from using or getting access to your cash. So make sure that you do that. I actually just did that. Sweet. And that same line of just being protecting your information and um, letting your banks and everyone know what you're doing, make copies of your credit card front and back and put them somewhere secure. Really, it's the back you need so you can have that 1-800 number in case your car gets stolen or your purse gets stolen or your wallet gets stolen. You'd have a backup along with your passport and maybe your driver's license just to have an extra copy of those items in case you get pickpocketed or something like that. Yep. Always have copies and leave copies here. Like leave copies here at home just in case so that if you need to get or need someone to do something for you, they'll at least have the, the information that they need and for safety. Safety first, people. Safety first. And so let's wrap up this conversation and talk a little bit about carry-on items. Hey, it's Clint Daly, host of the Daily Dose Sports Podcast. You know we release a new podcast every single Wednesday, and we bring you our own unique outlook on the world of sports. You know, we try to give you some actual insight and maybe a common sense approach to sports. Whether it's breaking news, some of the biggest games, or even some sports history, check out the Daily Dose Sports Podcast now on the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. The Daily Dose, your daily dose of sports and sarcasm. carry on my biggest tip for carry on and really this is just for anything especially 
if you are traveling outside of your homeland, the one thing <laughs> you can do for yourself to keep you safe and healthy is stay hydrated. Drink plenty of water. Dehydration oh, yeah. can, you know, affect you in so many ways and you don't even realize it. But hydrate yourself before you leave. That's the one thing I generally like to do before a long flight. The day before, I will load myself up on water to get me nice and hydrated. And that way I don't have to drink a whole lot of water on the flight and keep getting up. (laughs) (laughs) But, and that is not a medical opinion. That is just a personal opinion. (laughs) The views of this podcast are not. (laughs) (laughs) But um, stay hydrated. Keep yourself hydrated. Uh, Don't just you know, pile up on beer and wine. Oh, drink darn. some water, drink some water. Shoot. <laughs> keep water, keep water with you. If you can get a water bottle and just stay hydrated. Uh, That's a good one. Along with that, I always have compression socks because I am an old lady and my ankles swell. And so when I am not properly hydrated and I'm sitting still for a very long time, my ankles will swell and compression socks really help with that. Also, remember on long flights to get up and walk around. If you cannot stand up, make sure you flex your ankles and your feet regularly, at least a couple of times every hour or so to keep the circulation moving. I like to hyd- hydrate my feet. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to hydrate my feet, though. Ain't nothing wrong but- with that, girl. <laughs> But I like to elevate my feet. So if you do have a small, like a tote, a tote bag that you kind of carry on, I would take it and kind of put it underneath the seat and try to put my feet up on it. And that way, you know, to help the the legs and the feet circulation, your ankle ankles circulate as well. So that helps a little bit too. For sure. I hate get. And that's only because I hate getting up on flights. But I figure on this one, I'm gonna have to get up and walk around probably at some point. You know, that's funny. I like getting up and walking around. I don't know. I just like looking at people. Oh God, you're that person. To, I just need to assess the situation and just be like, "Sir, what's up, sir? How you doing? This fight going all right? You good? How was that chicken? Did, was it good? Was the fettuccine good? Yeah, because apparently someone thinks they're an air marshal. <laughs> I need to assess the situation. That's all I'm saying. If shit go down, I'm gonna be like, "That's thirteen C, thirteen C." Move, move, move. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to jump on me. I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, hey, 45B. How's <laughs> it going? Doing? Yeah, I noticed you walking up the front. What's going on? Did you need some ginger ale? <laughs> Would you like some ginger ale with that vodka? <laughs> so this is what I'm doing. I'm oh, my God. Yeah. This is what this is. This is my calling in life. What can I say? Right. <laughs> right. What can I say? Oh, wow. This is how I know I would be a horrible flight attendant. <laughs> like people are, uh, pe- people are so rude to them anyway. And I'm not real good with rude people because I'm a rude person. <laughs> so I feel like I would be a horrible, horrible flight attendant. Yeah. So. So that, then yeah. that's why I'm not a flight attendant right now. <laughs> that's not why, that's why I'm not seeing the world. <laughs> You're a little, right you now. wouldn't have those good comment cards. I would not. <laughs> I would not. Yeah. I would. And then I would, I would be the one I would write comment cards about the customers and just be like 13 C came looking like <laughs> who did it and ran 
and I was out of to give. He gets a three. <laughs> oh my god! They sh- they really should let the flight attendants do that though. They should yeah. let them randomly like post. <laughs> right, right. Post twenty two A was super post. polite. Right. She said nothing the whole flight, asked for nothing, and got off the plane. Thank you for flying with us. Yeah, they should let them post like random comments. Mm, I bet they have like, you know how different industries have their own like places to vent. Uh-huh. I bet their Instagram account or their, their private page. Private private page, page. <laughs> I bet it's some funny stuff on there. Oh, okay. oh yeah. I bet that is hilarious. So another good tip, I think, is to stay up on the news about the place where you're visiting. Definitely. Because once you get there and you start watching the news, you know, it's going to be in French. So Right. And then also like large events or activities. So if there's I think there is a uh, the European soccer championship will be there while we're there in Paris that we it runs for a month, actually. So know about that so that you're aware that when you get off the plane and there's a large line for you to get through customs that's probably why um, because there's all these other activities going on within the city that you're visiting or country that you're visiting so keep an eye on that too and then check the state department's website because they always talk about you know being on alerts and what areas and what countries have high alerts so always look at the state department's website prior to you going to your destination then right up to the point where you're about to leave just to get an idea and feel of what the state department is saying what the threat levels are in that area it's kind of weird we're talking about threat levels but well but these things are important because we are traveling into a zone that has a threat alert right now and i'm going to register with the step program the smart travelers program through the state department I'm going to register with it just, you know, in case something mm-hmm. happens so they know that I'm there. I think it's important to know those things and understand kind of what they mean. Be vigilant. And if something makes you uncomfortable, leave. If, you know, it's a large, maybe avoid large crowds if you don't need to be there. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, just be careful, you know. So that's kind of what our plan is. So just be careful. Yep. It's not really like a beach vacation where you just go lay on the beach and drink as many pina coladas as you can um, and just worry about how you're going to get back to the room later. You just. (laughs) As you can see how Kim's vacations go (laughs) when she's on the beach. (laughs) You got a little glimpse into the life of Kim on the beach. (laughs) Dude, once once they put that wristband on me, I'm out. (laughs) responsibility what no i'm out <laughs> oh my god scan me and roll me back to whatever room I'm supposed <laughs> <Right>. to be. <laughs> put me on the back of the golf cart and just take me there oh that's awesome <laughs> yeah to love it <laughs> but while we're in europe there will be none of that <laughs> there will be none of that yeah i don't think the french people want to roll you anywhere <laughs> no. i will case every restaurant <laughs> I will know where all exits and entrances are. I will at any time be ready to jump under a table or over a barricade just on standby. Just because. So we are super excited about our trip. And of course, once we return, we will share with you our adventures and everything that happened on the trip. And maybe not everything, but we will share with you how it went and how successful our pre-planning was, hopefully. (laughs) 
reviews of our hotels as well as activities and maybe even some pictures. So make sure you're following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat at Round Trip Pod. Okay? Alrighty. Also, don't forget to check out our other shows at RogueIntel.com. We've got a great lineup of shows. We've even got a few new shows. And we'd love for you to check those out as well. Until next time, 